Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. It's echoing. Hold on. Hold on. Three, two. All right. It's just sometimes that goes for the first like seconds. I think we're fine now. Yeah. All right. Three, two. Oh shit! It's echoing again. I don't hear it echoing on my end. It's on my end. Hold on. Let me think. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It sounds fine now. Yeah, it sounds okay. Let me go. It's, yeah, it's fine now. I think it was just that. All right. Ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat Writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? Hey, David. Here from uh, beautiful Los Angeles overlooking um, the Staples Center. Um, the weather's great, so I cannot complain. How are you? It's also beautiful down here in uh, South Florida, so I yes. uh, can't complain either. Uh, it's that time of the year, obviously. Uh, Anthony, obviously on the road, uh, biggest road trip in, in a long, long time for you, right? I mean, I guess Vegas for Summer League was a couple of days, but uh, this multi-city West Coast trip, haven't done one of these in a while. Yeah, I'm not conditioned for this anymore. I'm like on the second leg of the trip, and I'm uh, I'm exhausted, and I still have uh, four more days to go. So this should be fun, but no, it's it's, been, <laughs> it's nice to be back on the road, honestly. Like, it's nice to be back around the guys again, and like, like we've talked about, get a feel for the locker room, get a feel for this team how they interact, um, and just be traveling again. It's a, it's a good sign all around that things are slowly returning to normal. Yeah, so we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, the Heat will play the Lakers uh, late night tonight. They'll play the Clippers tomorrow. Um, so we're not going to talk probably too much like basketball analysis stuff because a lot could change in these next 48 hours of what we think about these teams. Obviously, a couple of good tests out there in L.A., um, and because we have one really big topic to talk about, and that is uh, the ongoing Nikola Jokic-Markeith-Morris saga. Uh, obviously, that was, I guess, what was that? Monday night, right? Yeah, Monday night. Monday night, yeah. In Denver. Uh, late in the game, heat game blown out. Um, I guess it started basically Jokic. They thought he fouled Bam on a, a layup attempt around the basket. Um Markeith Morris was fed up, comes in, gives him a little hip check as they're running back down the court. Um, a dirty shot, but I think kind of standard dirty shot, right? And then uh, as they're running back in the other direction, uh, Jokic pushes Markeith from behind. Markeith hits the deck hard. Uh, have his whiplash now, I believe, right? That's the, the what's on the injury report for him. Whiplash, uh, yes. He's out. down He's for out a while. Yeah, stayed down for a while. Uh, pretty scary. Brought the stretcher out, obviously. Ultimately... Uh, fine, I guess, right? You know, not like a serious neck injury. Um, and uh, the Heat did not like it. Uh, Jimmy Butler uh, yelling a lot of profanity over at uh, at Nikola Jokic from his bench. Jokic and Markeith get ejected. Uh, the Heat are all waiting for them in the tunnel with Andy Ellsberg looking like Tony Soprano uh, blocking them to to make sure there's no uh How no great was stuff that there. incredible. Great. We'll get to that in, in a bit. I'm just running through the timeline first. Um now last night uh, a couple fines for the Heat and notable story there Jokic getting the one game suspension. Um you were there obviously. I guess let's start there just what you know that's near the end of the game you're putting your finishing touches on your on your game story yeah. uh and then all hell breaks loose. Just what what was the atmosphere like in the gym? What did you think happen just can, can you kind of take us yeah take the picture for us of what it was like in the gym there last uh i'm gonna give you a dear little secret about covering the nba all right and you know this david um final minutes of the game i think that happened with like two something left yeah 
In a blowout, uh, too. So it's in not, a blowout. You're I not had really gone, paying too much attention. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I made my way, like, the time out before down to, like, the the interview room to kind of file my story and, and be there in position when Spolster and the players came out. And they had the TV on to this arena feed of the game at that point. So I'm watching it, and I see this unfold, and as soon as it happens, the arena feed pulls away and starts showing fans. And I'm like, what is going on? So I, you know, unfortunately, even though I was at the arena, I did not see it in person, and I had to depend on Twitter to kind of see what was going on with, you know, with different tweets of videos of showing what happened. Um, but, yeah, you know, you don't expect something like that that late in the game. Um, but I, I was speaking to someone with the Heat, and they said that it was – like they had never experienced a moment like that in their like 30 years um, working in the NBA, and he, he was talking about just the, the the how tense it was after the game. Like you, you, the picture kind of captured that I think from a Denver Post photographer. Yeah. Um, but just talking to people with the Heat, just how tense that that environment was after the game with guys kind of outside the locker room looking at the Nuggets locker room, and let me tell you. The media room is, like, in between the Heat and Nuggets locker room there at uh, Ball Arena. They are not far apart. Um, yeah. There are just basically a set of double doors, which you saw in the photo, separating the Heat locker room and the Nuggets locker room. That is it. So, and, and the media room was right in between. So I saw all – there was a ton of security kind of in that hallway in between the two locker rooms. Um, there was no way any players were getting through there. Um, but, yeah, it was a very, very tense situation. And as you said and as was evident – by comments and kind of just what you saw on TV, key players were very unhappy and just upset about that shot uh, that Jokic gave Markeith. Yeah, uh, the, that picture reminded me of, uh, must have been like three years ago now, the Clippers-Rockets, uh, like tunnel yeah. height, tunnel yeah. height that Chris never Paul, happened. Right? I think, yeah, Chris yeah. Paul, when he was, I guess he was in Houston by then, right? And it was, was still it like Ray Rondo? Maybe, it was... Uh, Austin Rivers. <laughs> I'm looking at the, the headlines right now. Okay. Several Houston players, including Chris Paul, quote, charged the Los Angeles locker room to confront Austin Rivers. So it was after Chris Paul, there was the bad blood, obviously, with his departure in, uh, in LA. Uh, that was what that picture reminded me of. You know, it's, it's a, it's a once every three, four years kind of, kind of event to have the, uh, the, the fight that really spills over into, um, spills over into the post game and in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, Jimmy Butler uh, looks like he was legitimately ready to fight there on the court for a little bit, uh, yeah. which, you know, we've seen uh, the only time I can remember Jimmy ever being like that What it, since he's been in Miami was uh, the T.J. Warren <laughs> ejection, right, right. Uh, two years ago probably. I guess that his first year here. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Heat. I think between uh, Jimmy and Kyle and, and UD, and we, we kind of knew something like this was going to go down at some point this year. Um, it happened 10 games into the season, though, which I don't yeah. know if I expected that quickly. And it, and it was just, I think part of it was it was so unexpected, right? And a blowout. Um, you know, I was kind of like, I was covering the Panthers that night, so I really didn't see a lot of that game. I turned it on late, um, even though it was a blowout, and just kind of had it on in the background at that point. Um doesn't for, seem like it, it, be, it, doesn't seem like it was like a testy game, right? It was just kind of – it was almost out of nowhere. And, again, Jokic is a guy who, you know, I know he's, he's got the brothers and the whole, like – he's obviously a tough guy. He's 6'11", whatever. I don't know how much he weighs. But, like, 
he does not have a rep as being like a, a dirty player or anything like that. I don't think in that in that regard. Uh, so it was just so unexpected to see it go down like that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like to see the reigning NBA MVP. Yeah. The one to do it. Like that's you. Just that's all. That's why it became such a national story. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. This the, the the fact that he was involved. Um, yeah, it was it was very surprising. Um, and he, you know, he really doesn't have that reputation. Um, it, it was a physical game, you know, it wasn't like anything crazy. Right. I, uh, Jokic and Bam were really going at it, you know, in, in a competitive way, nothing dirty or there weren't any technical. Yeah, contacts going to the rim and all that stuff. Yeah. Obvious, obvious stuff when there's two of the best centers in the league playing against each other. Yeah. Um, one underrated aspect of this story, and you might have noticed this, David, is that Jimmy Butler was fined $30,000 for a quote-unquote, attempting to escalate the altercation, which is what everyone saw on TV. Yeah, him yelling over at the bench. Yeah, but also failing to comply with an NBA security interview as part of the review process pertaining to an on-court matter. <laughs> so that is the classic Jimmy, as far as just probably saying, I am not talking to anybody about this yeah. and in the fine. But I have not, I don't know, I'm sure it's happened before, but I have never seen that reasoning for a fine of a player just <laughs> comply with the security interview of the investigation. Uh, uh, so I want to I jump forward to this afternoon. Uh, you just wrapped up uh, the Heat's pregame shoot-around there at the Staples, really at the Staples Center out in L.A. Um, Sorry, UCLA. It was at UCLA. At UCLA. Um, so notably, as I did I did not mention this in the, in the rundown of what happened, the Heat did not make any players available after the game. Um, yeah. Eric Spolster was the only one to talk. And then yesterday, obviously, they were traveling, did not practice. So then uh, ahead of a doubleheader, or back-to-back, I should say. Um, so then today was the first time you guys got to actually talk about what happened. Um, how, how are they feeling uh, 36 hours later or whatever we are at now? I mean, obviously, things have calmed down a little bit. And I think the theme was, and they probably this was probably set in practice to kind of just move on from this because they have, to have four games on this trip left, you know. Yeah. Entering tonight, that they have to get some wins, get some wins here before before coming back home. But that was a theme. Like even Idana said, like they don't want to hold grudges; they want to move on. But you know that um, it's hard to really move past the emotion of what happened Monday in just a matter of days. Like that, that's going to be that's probably going to be something that's you know kind of looming over this team until these the Heat and the Nuggets face off again later this month, which should be uh, a fun night. <laughs> um, yeah, but. That was a common theme. Just the guys wanted to move forward. Uh, Markeith was at shootarounds. Um, obviously, did not participate in the shootarounds. Um, he left without before speaking to the media because he had to ha- head to a doctor's appointment. Um, but from all accounts, you know, he's walking around. He's doing okay. You know, walking around obviously, but um, it, it could have been a lot worse. And I think that's guys are very, um, you know, grateful that. You know, and understand that it could have been a lot worse because that was a scary scene when the stretcher was brought out. Yeah, anytime the stretcher gets brought yeah. out, for it, you know, and it looked like when I, when I saw it happen, I thought he like face planted basically. I was like, was wondering, oh, did he like break his nose or something? Or concussion in the face, or a concussion, concussion, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, then when they brought the stretcher out, I was like, uh oh, that, that could be even worse than I thought it was. Um, but obviously, for it to be, I don't want to say just whiplash, but like for yeah. it not to be a like obviously not. Apparently, Long-term not injury. a structural yeah. neck injury is obviously uh, good, and you know I think that made it made the whole thing I think look worse. You know, obviously there's no defending the the Jokic cheap shot in particular, 
Um, and again, like I'm, obviously Heat fans want to kind of let Marquise off the hook too, but that was like, what the heck are you doing there, Marquise? Like that's totally unnecessary. Um, like a seventeen point in like a yeah, a seven, game. Like, yeah. exactly. And like I said, a game. It's not like there have been like fights throughout that game and scraps and stuff. It was just kind of a normal NBA game. Um, but uh, like I said, it was totally un- unnecessary and uncalled for. And obviously, Jokic, it, you, know, you get suspended for that. I think he's kind of gotten what he deserved. But it made the whole the the neck like when when they brought the stretcher out, it made the whole thing. Uh, I don't want to say look worse than it was, but look. Looked like it was maybe like really bad, and yeah. it's it's good that it it wound up kind of being more of a normal NBA like brawl with like one weird cheap shot and kind of I don't want to say fluky injury but like you know if you just if he just pulls like if he just like, like nudges Markeith and Markeith turns around like it's a non-story essentially right. Um, it was, and they get separated, they get a team, and they both get ejected. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, just that, that hard push, obviously, is, is a huge difference between a, a nothing burger story and a, a story that's been really the biggest story in the NBA for the last uh, uh, 48 hours, basically. Yeah, that was, um, you know, I it was interesting. Like, Udonis really tried to detonate the situation today. Uh, uh-huh. he, he, he called, he said that, he knows Jokic is not a bad guy, and he likes him as a basketball player, likes him as a person, and he doesn't think he was really trying to hurt Markeith, which, you know, was interesting. You know, I don't think – I mean, I'm not – I didn't expect him to, like, kill Jokic, you know, today. Yeah. Spoke with him, but just to come out and say that two days later, that he's not a bad guy, and I don't think he's a dirty player. He actually – he said he, 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 like, enjoys watching him play and that he's a good person. So I think, you know, he really trying to detonate the situation, trying to move on. Um, but it's hard to move on. You know, again, it's yeah. going to move on until these – they're going to get questions about this. If it's not in the next few days, in like two weeks when – Right, when they come back. So when Denver comes back in – Yeah, it's going to come back. It's going to come back again. And and about the Jokic play, I mean, again, I think he kind of just saw red in that moment. He just probably just – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was one of those things that just happened in a, in a split second. But that was a really dangerous play. I mean, Jokic yeah. is a huge man, um, as you could see by what he did to Marquise, who is not a small man either by the way, um, but to run at him from the back and just, sh- you know, hit him like that with the forearm and the shoulder, that yeah. was, that's, I think that's what the Heat took most exception to. If you have a problem with that that take foul, if you want to call it a take foul, um, by Marquis, fine. I, I understand it. Like, that was a hard take foul that probably didn't need to happen in the context of what was going on in that game at that point. But you don't just... Yeah, you you grab the guy right. and yeah. like get ready to throw a punch instead. Right, you know, you right. Which is were, were you surprised? I don't know if you saw this, David, but were you surprised when guys on TNT and even ESPN were blaming Markeith for everything? Um, not necessarily because one, Markeith did kind of start it, right? Like obviously Jokic escalated to a point that it shouldn't have been, but again, like that was like what the heck is Markeith doing there? Like, there's just no reason to commit that. On that foul at that moment of a blowout, um, and then the other part is it's just it's Markeith, right? Like, you know, <laughs> what would this story if this was Bam and Jokic, where you don't have Marcus Morris tweeting and the Jokic brothers tweet? Like, it's just these two characters and Markeith's reputation in particular as being—I don't know if he has a reputation of being a dirty player, but definitely being a, an agitator. I would say um, is. You know he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt necessarily, but again, like it was like if you're ranking these things on like 
a scale of badness with like 10 being the worst, like that Jokic play is terrible. Like that, that's way up there. That's like a seven, eight, whereas the, the Markeith is like a, you know, a hard five, five. right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like a four or five, just like unnecessary. You're going to get a tech for it. You're going to get fined for it. But there's a reason only one guy got suspended out of the, yeah. the whole ordeal. Yeah. I, I asked you, Donis, about kind of guys blaming Markeith for mm-hmm. what happened and, he obviously took Markeith's side. His quote was, um, it was but weird. I, I want to note, I am a massive Markeith Morris fan. One of my favorite yeah. NBA players. Really? In the last, like 10 years. Yeah. Well, he, he had a really fun the Wizards, run with right? the Wizards. Yeah. 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 No, he, and he had a good, he had one, of, one of his best seasons with Washington. Yeah. And I always like, you know, I liked him in college. I liked, he had a couple of really good years in Phoenix where it seemed like he was going to be really good. I, I mean, as far as like a guy who's like a kind of random NBA player, he's up there yeah. for me. Yeah. So Udonis' quote was, it was weird for me to understand people blaming Keith, even guys who I look up to like Shaq and those guys saying stuff like that. I'm like, I grew up with you guys. You guys would have never co-signed me hitting somebody in the back. Now you're saying that's okay? I don't understand that. So it's like what we were talking about. Like, it, I think the biggest thing for the Heat is they did not appreciate <laughs> you doing that, you know, when when Markeith was not in a position to protect himself. If you yeah, problem, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah like I said, that's if, you, the if, you, if you nudge the guy and get him to turn around and throw a punch, it's almost, like, more defensible. Right, because then at that point you can defend yourself. I mean, like, the, the foul that Markeith gave Jokic, again, not necessary, but Jokic saw it coming, right? It was from his side, kind of hip-checked him, gave him a forearm to the side. Um, Jokic was able to protect himself. Markeith was not able to do that, which made the – which is what made the play so scary because, again, it could have been a lot worse probably than than it really turned out to be, thankfully for the Heat and Markeith. Yeah. Um, my big takeaway is, you know, pe- people give hockey a lot of crap for, like, the fighting being part of the game. But, like, that's almost why it's like it, like it makes sense for hockey to have fighting be, like, um, being regulated, right? It's because, like, when stuff like that happens, Guys are not cheap, you know, obviously there's cheap shots in hockey too, but like, for the most part, a guy can grab a guy and say, alright, we're gonna throw some punches at each other. And, um, yeah, the, the problem with having it be a acceptable part of the game is it probably happens more often than it probably should. But, uh, you know, it'd be nice if in the NBA, like, when a weird situation like that happens, you know, for each team once, twice a year, like, they would actually, like, be able to do something about it and not have, like, not just have guys giving each other cheap shots, which is obviously what that uh, escalated into on Monday night. Um, How so, about yeah, legalized fighting? I like that. I like that. Um, I'm sure he would like that too with their roster construction. Yeah. Um, another underrated part of the story: the Jokic brothers making a Twitter handle. So did they make that for this. They started uh, it yesterday. Yeah. Okay, because I saw like a, I guess it was a Denver Post or maybe Athletic writer yeah. like tweeted out, and I w- I saw you know they were an egg and all that, and and everyone obviously was looking for uh, quotes from the the Jokic brothers, so they made it just for that. Yeah, that's a, good, that's Post, a good NBA development, by the way. Those guys are just going to be on Twitter from now on. And their handle is the Jokic brothers. I know. Well, so the, the McCordys, I think, have a shared Twitter account. I'm pretty sure. God, the McCordy brothers. They, they, I think they made it because Marcus Morris tweeted at, like, tweeted about, yeah, yeah, you know, and they wanted to respond and defend their brother, 
So they opened a Twitter account. And yeah, a Denver Post writer said, they, I guess he, he texted that one of the brothers and said, is that really you guys? And he, and they said, yeah, we just opened, started it today. <laughs> and well, I don't there's a, there's a report that they will be there on yes. November 29th, right? Yeah, that's going to be, again, as much as the Heat are trying to move past it and Udonis trying to detonate things today by, you know, kind of complimenting Jokic as a person and as a player and kind of, you know, trying to give some perspective to everything. It's still going to be um, interesting to see how the Heat handle that situation. And, you know, being in Miami, I'm sure the fans will let Jokic know how they feel. So that's going to yeah. be a tough night for him um, anyway. And if the brothers are there, I don't know if you remember, like, in the playoffs, was it, I think it was last season, when he, him and Devin Booker got into it. Oh, it, yeah. And they were, like, needed to be, they were, like, in the first row. Yeah. Jokic And they needed to be held back from, like, jumping over to step onto the court. So I don't know if that's a good idea. That's just yeah, I, w- I do wonder if Jokic will be like, guys. Don't like, go. Don't go, yeah. Because it's not even what happens on the court. It's like they're going to be instigated from everyone around them. Right, right. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jokic and Markeith try to, like, uh, detonate it, like, right off the bat on that night, right? Like, like pregame, like, dap each other up or something, right? Like, because it's going to have been – three weeks since it happened, like, obviously the fans are going to try to make it a story, and we're going to inevitably make it a story when we ask about it, but, like, it would not be a surprise if they tried to, like, like you said, the Heat's line right now is, like, trying to move on from it, and they definitely don't want it to be a topic in three weeks, at least, you know, I'm sure, like, I'm sure Jimmy wouldn't mind if it's, like, it's still feisty, and Markeith himself, I'm sure, is going to want to, like, get a little bit of revenge, but you know, UD and, and Spo, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Markeith and, and Jokic to kind of try to detonate it. You know, Yo- Jokic doesn't want it to, to linger. No. Um, yeah. So we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out on the 29th. But, yeah, the Jokic brothers' presence there would make it really hard for it to not be the overriding story from that night, no matter what happens on the court. You'll be at the game. Are you going to be following them around, the Jokic brothers? Yeah, Exactly. Around the entire I'm, pick, I'm picking them up at the airport. <laughs> Just chronicling that whole uh, experience for them. I'm sure it'll be very fun for them, or not. Yeah. Un- but unfortunately, the Clippers play that night, by the way, so uh, Marcus can't make it. Oh, well, maybe he could. Uh, he's not playing right now. He's injured, so um, maybe he could just take that night off and fly to Miami. Just yeah. to be are you gonna get? Are you gonna get talked to him tomorrow, Marcus? Yeah. I don't know what they're – if he's injured, I don't know what if he's around. Yeah, yeah, and it's a back-to-back. So, I mean, I guess the – Are they on a back-to-back, the Clippers? They're not. The Clippers played last night. So, yeah. um, I guess that's possible. But I'm guessing that he – since he's a hurt, they probably won't uh, yeah. speak. But that's not a bad idea, David. I like that. Yeah. Work- um, workshopping right on the air, yeah. <laughs> um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So any other any other angles coming off of this that uh that we need to hit on before we talk a little bit of basketball before we wrap up? Um the fact that Andy Ellisberg is maybe the best security guard in the NBA, maybe. Yeah. Know. That was I mean so obviously That's the best picture of the season. And yeah, I think, and I saw people on Twitter being like, Oh, that was like you know, they were posing or whatever. But like Again, that's the Denver Post photographer just, like, snapped. Like, it's not like yeah. that was a team-tweeted-out photograph. That was a Denver, uh, yeah. photogra- Denver-based Denver photographer just standing in the tunnel waiting for a moment like that. Like, that's an organic moment. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously it's performative because any, like, fight is performative, right? Any, like, Jimmy Butler, it's his personality, but it's also a performance all the time with him. So, of course, it's going to, like, look staged because they're trying to, like, look tough for the Nuggets, but uh, yeah, Andy Ellsberg with the with the uh, championship ring on and blocking the whole door frame from them, I mean, just an incredible, incredible moment. For a guy who, Andy Ellsberg, for the most part, most of the photos you see of him, he does not get to look that cool very often, you know, usually it's just him sitting in press row next to Pat Riley, and who can look cool sitting next to Pat Riley? It's really hard to do. Uh, so that, that, that should be like uh, his photograph on like every everything he has. On yeah. website, like on his LinkedIn page, on his uh, his his private Facebook page, his his burner Twitter accounts. Uh, that should be a, just his holiday card. That should be his Christmas card this year. He should uh, he should have that framed in his in his home wherever he lives in Miami. It's a good album cover. I feel like for like, <laughs> is that the media guide cover next year. It should be. They need to make. They definitely got to make shirt. Someone's got to make a shirt with that. Oh, thing. I mean the heat. Uh, they do that. Uh, what do they call them? They're like heat moment cold, shirts or cold, whatever. Cold, oh, heat moments. Yeah, yeah. There, someone has to get that photo and make a shirt out of it. It's just. Yeah. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, like I like I said, the way it's set up in Denver is really interesting because, again, the locker rooms are very close to each other, and the media room is in between that small space that separates the locker rooms. Yeah. Um, that photographer just stood outside the media room and was waiting there and got that. Got that great picture. Um, so yeah, I yeah. wish I'd remembered his name right now to give him a shout out, but uh, it was obviously it was going around on Twitter. So uh, yeah. make make sure you uh, see the re- the original one. Um, and uh, you know, then when you're down in those tunnels, the lighting is so good. Like you said, it like looks like a rap album cover. Yeah, like a little, little smoky down there, or whatever, because like the lighting like is is perfect. That could have been the, like a, it could have been like a Jay Z album cover. Photo of the year, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, photo of the season, and even though it's like not we're not even one month in, I think that that will stand. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, best heat photo since the block, probably right. Definitely, or or I guess Jimmy over the score. Jimmy over I don't know the if there was a specific yeah. photo of that, or if we just all screen captured it. But video. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are the three that come to mind for sure. Yeah, of this era. Um, all right, Heat. Let's wrap up with some basketball. Heat dropped. Uh, Two out of their last three, right? Uh, obviously, get blown out in Denver, lost to Boston. What was that Friday night um, or Thursday last week? I think just uh, obviously the first, you know, and then in between there they beat the the Jazz in a, in a close game, but a game that they led uh, big before the Jazz kind of chipped away at the end. 
Um, so, you know, not, not reasons to panic yet, but what were, what, what did we learn from those two losses? What, what, what is there to fix now for Miami as they wrap up this West Coast trip? I, when they don't hit shots, they can't, well, they can win because they did it earlier. You gotta hit shots. It's a make or miss. You gotta hit shots. Yes. But I, to that point, just to go deeper into that, I, I, their offense is interesting. It's just like very, I'm still trying to put my finger on it. It's, um, it's so different than last season, like we've said times. They're taking a ton of mid-range shots, which I guess is fine for hitting them. But mm-hmm. um, And those two losses, they did not hit those mid-range shots at a high clip, which is a big reason why they lost. Um, I think they're taking the fewest threes in the NBA per game, or either they are or they're like second least threes. In the uh-huh. NBA. Um, it's just a very interesting uh, shot profile for this team that, it, you know, in some games it works. Like against Utah, I think they shot like almost 50% from the mid-range or even maybe a little better than that, and they won. But I don't know how sustainable it is, you know. And and, and Cleaning the Glass, which is a great website um, if you're interested in basketball uh, stats, um, kind of puts together what they call a basically – hold on. It's, it's called a, a location-effective field goal percentage. So based on kind of where a team takes its shots, like what's the what's the expected or average – effective field goal percentage uh, based on the shot profile. And because the Heat shoots so many mid-range shots, they don't really get many shots at the rim. They don't shoot many threes. Um, they're, they're, they rank six worst in that. So they don't have an efficient shot profile at all. Yeah. And it's kind of concerning, I would say. I mean, it's not – I mean, obviously they're winning, and the offense has actually played well. I think they're top six in the league or maybe top five in the league at this point. But – it's just I, I, I want, I'm really tracking it because um, if there's one thing that I kind of has been a red flag to me from the start, even though it's their seven and three, it's been kind of how they've operated offensively. I just don't know how sustainable it is over the long run. Yeah, I mean, one of the strengths of the I – mean, it's something obviously we have now talked about, I think like three or four weeks straight, is the reliance on mid-range. And, and one thing that is great about this team is they have a lot of players who are very good at making hard shots. Um, most notably, obviously, Jimmy, but that has become a strength for Tyler Hero as well. Um, the problem is they're taking too many of those hard shots. And, you know, even if the Heat don't change their, their pro shot profile at all this year, they'll probably be a top three or four team in the East, right, um, and be a threat in the playoffs because of the talent and the guys and basically Jimmy and, and Tyler and the guys who, who can make those hard shots. But and their yeah, defense, which is great. And their defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but offensively, and the thing that's interesting is that is n- very not typical for Eric Spolstra post-Big 3 teams, right, at least in recent years. Those teams have been very usually pretty good at getting, you know, a lot of threes, getting to the rim. Um, not a lot of mid-range, obviously. You know, Jimmy is, is just naturally going to be a guy who shoots mid-range more. Um, you know, they've had guys like Deion Waiters and stuff who are mid-range shooters, but – for the most part, this team, you know, two years ago when they were great, they shot a lot of threes. That's why they were good. Um, and, you know, Eric Spolster is, is usually pretty good at, at scheming up an offense that can get good looks, which is why I, I don't worry as much. You know, I just think as obviously these the season goes on and he figures out how to use Kyle Lowry a little bit more and, um, you know, Duncan Robinson – who obviously was was pretty cold to start the year gets gets going and gets going more consistently. They're gonna 
shoot better shots more often, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it does remain like that's why the Heat can, you know, these, these two losses were both pretty ugly. And when that, when the offense that the Heat runs right now, when the, when the style that they're playing does not work, it looks really ugly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's you're gonna have the ebbs and flows until you you run a little bit more efficient offense. Yeah, even in the first loss of the season against the Pacers in that overtime yeah. game, yep, he's had 91 points in, in an overtime game. Yeah, 38.5 percent shooting. Like, yeah, their defense is very good and it's killing them a lot of games. And they've won a few games this season, like against Brooklyn when they shot 39 percent and won. Yeah, I'll um, say uh, scoring is way down across the whole league this year. It, it is, it is, and again, the Heat have a top five offense, so I'm we're nitpicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to again. I'm trying to look spin this forward a little bit, and that's one thing that just it really sticks out again because it's so different, like you said, from past you know recent Spolstra teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's not really the like the mid range. Yes, you really don't want to shoot that many of them or as many as the Heat have shot. Um, but they have the personnel for that. Like you said, they, they, there's a couple guys, there are a couple guys on the roster who are really comfortable uh, from that spot on the floor, and and it translates well into the playoffs, like we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. or weeks, because against Utah, Utah allows I think the most mid range shots in the league. You know, they have Rudy Gobert. They have Rudy Gobert. They you know, and they really run guys off the three point line. Um, that's what their defense generated, you know, is built to do, and the Heat took advantage of that because they're good in the mid range. And they won that game by hitting a higher percentage of those shots. So in the playoffs against good teams, that is good to be good, you know, to be to have that trait. Um, but I also think, you know, with the Heat, I think 29 percent of their shots have come at the rim this season, which is um, seventh lowest uh, in the league. They got to get that number up. Fine, if you're going to shoot a lot of mid-range shots, you're not going to shoot as many threes as prior seasons. Fine, but you got to try to get to the rim a little bit more. Um, because I think in the long run, that is probably more sustainable than really depending this much on mid-range uh, looks. All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, like we said, we don't want to dive too much into into hoops because a lot can change in the next uh, 48 hours, and another game will happen between when we are talking and when you guys will listen to this. So uh, for all we know, the Heat are going to score 170 points tonight <laughs> and uh, not take a single mid-range jumper all night. But uh, – until then, uh, to figure out if that happens, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, he's obviously been chronicling this uh, whole Jokic uh, Markeith saga that, like we said, uh, will inevitably keep going until the end of this month, at least. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, but uh, until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>